0: You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 87. Hi everybody and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dude. And this week we are Sans Tracy
1: special edition podcast.
0: Is that what you're doing? Da- is that what you're dancing? Uh,
1: yeah, basically. This is kind of poetic, right? Because of the topic we're covering, the differences and 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 frictions between men and women feature prominently in in our in our topic. Very true. Yeah. So what is, dude? What is our topic this week? Our topic is the a very famous anime Cowboy Bebop from 1998 through 1999. If you were if you're going by the Japanese release, or 2001 2002 if you're going by the Adult Swim. Now this was my personal favorite anime. Uh, I watched it on like the late night Adult Swim in like 2000 or 2001 with my brother. And it's been my favorite ever since. And it's one of those things where if if I want to introduce people to an anime, uh, when I was a really really big anime fan, this is one of the shows I would show them.
0: Yeah, and Emily, it is very very good. I mean, you you have been trying to get me to listen to this for not listen to this to watch the show for years. Sure. And I just kind of never did. And then, I mean, we we had talked about doing this episode really even before we brought you on in a, in a more full-time capacity on the podcast, we talked about doing this and it's just taken this long for me to get, to get through <laughs> it. And I'm disappointed in myself for having waited this long because it is, it is yeah. that good.
1: It is a fun, fun show. And it basically revolves around, I, I was, we were talking before we were getting into it, we were trying to just figure out how we describe it, but it basically revolves around a group of bounty hunters in the late 21st century where the solar system is mostly terraformed in a kind of strange, you know, fuzzy science way. And it's essentially the Old West in its kind of culture, but not in its technology. And it tells a story of uh, Spike Spiegel, a former gang member or a mafia member, Jet Black, a former special forces cop, a woman named Faye Valentine, who doesn't even know who she is, a kind of transgenderish hacker and a super-duper data dog, and their adventures and misadventures over the course of 26 episodes. Yeah,
0: and and, and misad- misadventures is, is a fitting description, because this is a group of, of individuals who don't usually get their man.
1: No, and I think I you, you count maybe three or four actual penalties they get so every time they they go for a bounty, they're more likely not to get it. And when they do get a bounty, it's like small fries. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's real small fries. But it's a very, very interesting, fun show that I just I recommend to everybody, and especially because, like I said before, we started the best way I could describe this show as kind of a send off to twenty the 20th century pop culture. Because it comes out in 1998 in Japan. It's seen in the United States in 2001. The movie comes out in 2001. And it's just kind of chock full of these pop culture references yeah. from beginning to end.
0: Well, and it, it's just it's an exceptionally well-made, very tight 26 episodes. You know, that's, and one... In
1: each episode, it's a very tight episode. Yeah. They uh, do 20, not dilly-dally.
0: Yeah, 25, 26-minute episodes.
1: Yeah. If yeah. you include if you include like the bumper stuff.
0: Right. No, that's true. And I would say this is definitely one of those series that it, it doesn't have like that instantaneous appeal. Like I'm, where I go like I read the box and I go, oh, man, I got to watch this. But as soon as I started watching it and we got into the, the credits and the music and everything, I'm just going, OK, th- this is something worth watching. It may not be like the thing I'm super most interested in. But there is a quality and a level of for lack of a better the art the love the art the artists put into it that you can tell like this is gonna be something.
1: Yeah, this series straddles like two major anime styles, that of like the late nineties and then what started to happen in the early twentieth century. You can kinda see it where it mishmashes uh, kind of computer generated animation a little bit. For backgrounds and like the ships and maybe uh, cell layover, uh layovers of cells and back and, and, and matte paintings and stuff like that. And then it also has that you know early 90s like Akira feel where the backgrounds or are, are the cars and the buildings are all really really detailed. yeah so there's certain episodes where it's, it's got a grit to it, a visual grit to it that fits the story really really well. And it makes it doesn't kind of take you out of it uh, when it, it cause by looking kind of strange.
0: I would say it has a visual grit to it, but at the same time, it's not always that way. No, it's not. I mean, th- there are a lot of really great down moments and very great interpersonal moments, you know, especially as the series comes to a conclusion. And I, sh- I, I will admit to having watched the last four episodes like six hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> but as the series comes to a close you get those moments more and more between the characters Mm -hmm. and it really hits on, on many, many different levels in terms of what I'm looking for in a show. It has, you know, the, the action, it's got the high, high concept stuff. It's got the personal drama. It's just, there is so much to offer in, like I said, in 26 episodes in a very, very short package.
1: It's also really funny. It's got an incredibly (laughs) dry sense of humor. Like, a very, it's not an over-the-top... It doesn't kind of get silly until you add Edward as a character in, like, episode 8 or 9. Yeah. But um, for the most part, the show is a very dry, smart-ass show.
0: Yeah, and that that's always fun because, you know, humor doesn't necessarily translate language very well.
1: Oh, yeah, cultures,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, cultures even more so, you know, especially East to West, but even, like... You know, languages. I mean, humor relies so often on like turns of phrase and things like that that it's difficult to, 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 to port from one language to another.
1: Certainly, and I think the voice actors, at least the English voice actors, and I, I'm one of those anime fans that I prefer English voice actors over Japanese voice actors.
0: I, I so do I just, as I do as well, mostly because I, I don't like them better. I don't want to try and read while also trying to watch TV, like. Under certain circumstances, I'll do that, like, watching a Kurosawa film or something. But for the most part, if I'm just trying to watch, like, anime, I will watch an English dub just because it's easier.
1: Yeah, I don't like dubbing live actors because live actors, their, their performance is multifaceted. It's their physical as well as their voice that are, that make a character. But with a anime, you know, it's really just the quality of the voice actor and how well it matches up with how the character is drawn. Yeah. So, that I, I I kind of am not a, a purist in that sense. So I really enjoy the, the voice cast. Uh, I think the draw for me for this particular series is how good the characters are. Like, that's what, like, the, the main draw for me is, like, how interesting and how magnetic Spike, Jet, Faye, Ed, and even the dog are.
0: It, it's funny how well-defined they are, while simultaneously being very ill-defined. Like yeah. the, the characters even by the end of the series are still very mysterious to the audience
1: that's a really interesting aspect of this show is so much is left unexplained yes like so much the, the show really makes you fill in the gaps uh, and and over the course of the 26 episodes you're right it's, it's an episodic series that it's all kind of bundled up you know by the end of the 25 minutes you know each little adventure they get into but Every couple episodes, they have a, a development episode where we learn a little bit about Jet's past. You know, you, you see a character, like, like like let's take Jet, for example. He's this big guy who looks older. He's, like, 36 in the show. Uh, he's missing, he has a robotic arm. He's got this ship. You You slowly find out it's his ship. And through each, you know, episode about Jet, you learn about, you know, his ex-girlfriend his ex-partner, how he lost his arm, you know why he left the Force, but it's kind of spaced out, but you never get the full, the full story. Yeah. You just get little, po- same thing with Spike, is you know he used to be part of this syndicate called the Red Dragon, you know he had this girlfriend named Julia, we know he left, we know he has a fake eye, and we know people think he's dead. But we actually never find out the you know the the true internal politics that caused him to leave, or even how he and Jet met in the first place.
0: Yeah, that too.
1: We never find that out. And Faze a similar. Way is like we find out she doesn't know anything about herself, doesn't really have any memory. It turns out she was cryo frozen because of it. What appeared to be like a commercial space liner accident.
0: Yeah, it's him so at the, at this point in time the Earth is basically abandoned because of some accident with the. The hyperspace gates that allow them to move from planet to planet and it's implied that whatever accident made everyone abandon earth is the same accident Faye was involved with
1: yeah and that's what i found really interesting is we don't even know much about the gate you know we the gate kind of features prominently in one or two episodes but we never even find out how that happened all you can do is like watch it and go okay so it blew a chunk off the moon and created an asteroid belt around earth that kind of slowly bombards the planet. So Mars is really the center of... Of humanity, ...solar system, yeah. And it's just the solar system. It's kind of interesting how they've terraformed all these different planets, because that's kind of the sci-fi aspect they go with. So Mars is terraformed, Venus is terraformed, moons of Jupiter are terraformed, even like asteroids in the asteroid belts. And they're named after places... We, we were familiar with like one of them in the first episodes. It's Tijuana. Yeah, and it like kind of looks like Tijuana like each yeah. each look each city or each planet has its own like world. So so like you, the asteroids kind of look like Tijuana and Ganymede is like the ocean world and Europa is kind of like uh, the desert world or stuff like that. Uh, uh, Venus has like the floating plants and then we learn in, in in the in middle of in the middle of the season that Titan had a war that went on that Vicious was involved in Spike's yeah. rival. So all this kind of stuff it's it's a very rich and deep universe but you just just they leave so much out of it.
0: Yeah. And and, and for I think, me
1: I guess that was a that was an attractive feature.
0: Well, no, I I think it is. You know there's a point at which you go, "Hey, I need more information." And that's a problem. And then there's a point. there's another point, which where you go, okay, you've given me enough information that I understand the, the universe and the, and and whatnot that the, these characters inhabit. But you're not. It's not an information dump, mm-hmm. and you let me fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that comics have actually been looking at. Have been doing a lot better lately. Oh uh, really? For, well, something like a book like Saga, right? For example, where they just kind of throw you into this universe and you figure out the details as you go but it's close enough to what we understand as normal that we mm-hmm. can fill in the gaps as needed with a kind of other information. Like here, here are the important differences and you can fill in the other information.
1: Sure. And I think what, what's the other ask, not just the characters, but the writing, the way the writing of like the way each episode is constructed, the way it kind of it keeps pace. You have this kind of initial, here's what we have to do. Let's go try and do it. And then it all goes to hell, and they get out of it by the skin of their teeth, and but, but just barely. Like, they always seem to wind up in more debt with every misadventure they go into. Right. Every, like, even their best laid plans just kind of go awry.
0: Yeah, the further the series goes on, the more and more that them not having food becomes a thing.
1: Oh, yeah, like where Faye is eating dog food in one episode. Or like... I thought that was really funny. Or the mushrooms. The mushroom episode is great. <laughs> not, again, not just because of like how funny it is, but again because like the references like that's basically a little black exploitation episode. Right. Right? Like the show's dip into genres without, you know, with with almost no problem, right? They just di- they'll dip into like pure science fiction with like the kid that doesn't age episode. And then they'll dip into like a western like with the first episode or they'll do exploitation like uh, Mushroom Boogie, where you've got visual references to, like, you know, Pam Greer movies like Foxy Brown and Coffee, and then, like, one of the characters calls himself the youngest of the Shaft brothers, all the while he's dragging a coffin like the movie Django that, you know, gets run over by a truck while he's trying to give a big speech about it, you know, like, stuff like that, and, and the show just... Skips in and out of them almost seamlessly, and it makes like perfect sense yeah, I, that this is just this postmodern universe. I I think
0: the the part that I love the most about the uh, the black exploitation episode there is the fact that the the character from the ship that is involved the most is the little kid Ed. Yes, <laughs> it's just such a bizarre pairing with Ed and that particular scenario.
1: Yeah cuz the crew gets high off their fucking brains.
0: With oh muscles. yeah.
1: <laughs> just like like notice... Spike is just
0: endlessly walking endlessly walking up and down the same step.
1: Yeah. And you notice uh with a few exception, I think with only one exception every episode is named after a song.
0: Yes, I did notice that.
1: The only episode that's it's not named after a song is uh the episode uh Piero la Fou, which is named after a Jean-Luc Godard movie uh, called... means Pierre Goes Wild. And that's the episode with um, the kind of guy with the helium suit that kicks the shit out of Spike. Yeah. Like, that was a... And again, it's like one of those bizarre sci-fi human weapon episodes, right? It's just... It's a different episode each time. And each character kind of has their own, you know, genre world. So, like, Spike is the Bruce Lee, John Woo type character. Uh, Jet is your film noir cop and, and Faye is your femme fatale while Ed is your, your hacker character. Yeah. They all kind of, the genre blending is so seamless. I I'm was impressed like rewatching it, how much it still holds up.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, the show is now 20, 20 almost 30 years.
1: 20. It's approaching 20, right? Nineteen ninety-eight. Yes, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, approaching twenty years old. Twenty. That's it's an impressive. It holds up impressively, I should say.
1: Yeah, it really does. I think we should also talk about the music.
0: I I was waiting for you to bring that up.
1: Because, like, when I was younger, when I, when I was in college, and I was kind of watching this, you know, every couple months, I would pop it. I would go through the series when I was in college. I had. Most all of the soundtrack CDs that went to this, and there was a, there's a lot of music that goes into it. Yes, and there was a lot of of albums that came out, and it's, you know, that kind of the fusion, that it's of of musical styles done by uh, the musical director Yoko Kano, is, that's what just stands out is how good the music is and, to the series.
0: An impressive amount of jazz
1: in there, blues, jazz, folk. You know, even some kind of, like, adult contemporary sneaks its way in there if you're really listening for it. Yeah. It's really, sub- what it's great is how well it's matched up with what's going on on screen.
0: And at, t- at times, some of the music I would not have expected to go well with that scene. So oh, like the, I, yeah, the, I know uh, exactly what you mean. The, like the, the closing credits of the show are called the Real, Fol- Real Folk Blues. Right. And they use that... The the last two episodes are also last folk blues part one and two, and the beginning of or towards the beginning of the I guess uh, it's not the beginning. It's like a, the middle of the last episode when Spike actually goes to confront Vicious,
1: the climactic you know charge, yeah, into the into the headquarters,
0: and they use the real folk blues for that. And I would have never never thought to do that. No, but but, it but plays it, it's perfectly. gorgeous. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, you gotta give the director a lot of credit for how well it's choreographed. There's sometimes where it's a little stiff, like the animation for the actions a little stiff. But for the most part, like the animated action sequences are so fluid and so dynamic and so, you know, on the edge of your seat. It's really something like American action movies, like live action movies couldn't attain.
0: Yeah, actually, one of the best ones was uh, Hard Luck Woman when. F- when spike tries to fight ed's dad
1: yeah he loses so badly
0: and ed's dad does nothing
1: right he just kind of stands there just hits him in the face and it's over
0: <laughs> right <laughs> but but just like the fl- the fluidness of spike's movements mm-hmm. in that particular fi- i mean when i say fight it's really spike's taking swings and kicks at at ed's dad and ed's dad's doing nothing and he's just Yeah, you know, he's just
1: you know moving slightly to the left slightly to the right and spike can't land a shot
0: right but the the the, the fluid the the fluidness with which spike moves is really impressive
1: and yeah the whole show is amazing
0: just, animation there
1: yeah from almost top to bottom <clears> I <throat> I find it hard to find you have to really nitpick to find something wrong with the show um and it's usually just kind of like really nitpicky stuff because it's nothing wrong with the show every now and again they get kind of little they do a little strange science stuff. Like, I don't know if the Shuttle Columbia can take off under its own power. Like, as in... Uh, uh, at this point, no. No, certainly not, because it's not real. It's not intact anymore, but...
0: You're, well, that was yeah, that was a moment, and it's completely... I mean, there was no way for them to predict this, because it came out several years prior to... But the fact that the Shuttle Columbia, and they start talking about having lost a lot of heat tiles...
1: Mm-hmm. And right. I, I just I, want. I oh... That. Like I like, oh, physically know...
0: cringed.
1: Yeah, we know that that like oh, actually we know how that turns out, and you you won't be taking a photo with that ship when it's when it's down. Right. But I think overall, I, I, this is one of those series where I was like, if you're not that into anime, this is almost the perfect American anime. You know, it's this is the one you do, and even the Wikipedia page said it's like known as a gateway anime for people who want to get into into anime into the medium yeah and i would always i would recommend it to pretty much anyone it's just i mean what were you you hadn't seen it in a long time what was like No, i hadn't
0: seen it period
1: you hadn't seen it period okay i hadn't seen it in a while but you hadn't seen it Period. what was kind of like what took you by surprise as someone who came into it cold
0: i don't know about took me by surprise what i enjoyed i think some of the most is the fact that it covers so many different conceptual ideas you know each episode almost inevitably is is different and unconnected to the last one i mean in part that's the de- definition of episodic but even in terms of what it's trying to to deal with and the concepts it's addressing and i think there there were a couple of episodes that covered story concepts that i was familiar with the one one in particular is uh, the episode brain scratch where the there's a basically a, a cult that is saying mm-hmm. they can download your consciousness into a computer and then, you know, do away with your physical body. Mm-hmm. And there's a a very similar story in one of the early issues of Transmetropolitan. Mm-hmm. But the stories are are they approach it from such a such a very different perspective in part because obviously the different characters, and I don't mean just like, you know, Transmetropolitan doesn't have the cowboy bebop characters. I mean the characters in themselves are very. Different, mm-hmm. but also the, the the different concepts of you know we've we've talked about those before East versus West when it comes to technology
1: mm-hmm.
0: and their feel towards it and this is one of the I think the most poignant episodes about that you know you're basically you're you're downloading yourself into a computer you are becoming mm-hmm. a computer
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know from a Western somewhat technophobic perspective. You know that's a terrible thing from but from an Eastern perspective, the characters don't necessarily accept the idea right away, but they're not virulently opposed to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's you know like that that kind of look at at stories is always interesting. And the other thing I think I guess, like I mentioned I mentioned this to you off air is the interpersonal moments. Mm-hmm. There are some really just pulling at your heartstring moments, sure. And I I mean, some some of these I'm focusing on just because I said I watched the last four episodes today. I've watched the last probably 16 episodes in the last four days or so. So towards the end of the series, Ed actually leaves leaves the ship Mm -hmm. to go off with his father and her father. Her father. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is it is hard to tell. Yeah. Even even Ed's father forgets. Oh, thanks for watching, my son. Or is it my daughter?
1: I forget which. Well, yeah. I like that we find out Ed's real name is like Francois or something. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and, and I mean, Ed says straight up in the in the first first time we meet him or her that sure. I'm still doing it. The first time we meet her, that she gave herself the name Ed.
1: Right, and I love that in the in the one of the previous things, like if you made it up, how are you the fourth?
0: Right. <laughs> right. Oh, that is good. No, but part of what I was saying is like. So there's a conversation between Ed and Ayn, the, the dog. Ayn doesn't, I mean, the dog doesn't talk, but Ayn doesn't want Ed to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and Ed's, Ed's trying to tell Ayn to go back, and he just, re- just won't go, and so Ed says, all right, you can come along. Mm-hmm. And Ed literally walks off into the sunset. Right. Actually, you know, that's actually, that's, a, that's also another thing. I like how the series really kind of wrapped itself up in terms of, like, you knew the end was coming, and they started setting certain things up, like Ed finding, finding her father, and and whatnot.
1: Yeah, Faye kind of finally figure out who she is. Jet, well, figure- settling, settling, settling his past before Spike does. Well, fine- the show's really revolved around Spike.
0: It is, where Faye finds her past, but realizes she has nothing left of it. Right. And at first, basically, I, I mean. Quite literally wallows in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she basically goes and looks like she traces out where her bed used to be in the, the remains of her, her family's house and just lies down there for a while. And eventually she decides, hey, she needs to come back to bebop, or, she needs to come back to, and live. And she kind of she calls Spike out on his shit. like Spike constantly tells her not to live in the past, live for the future, live, live for what's going on. You know, you don't remember your past, that's fine. And then when Faye, or then when Spike becomes obsessed with his past in the last two episodes...
1: Yeah, he's just completely absorbed in it. Right. Like every time, you know, a name remotely similar to his past pops up, he goes, you know, apeshit.
0: Yeah, but like, Faye calls him out on it. Mm-hmm. Or you get the, uh, what is effectively the Last Supper, you know, Spike's last, last meal. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack, Jack cooks in this meal. And it's very it's very reminiscent of the beginning of the first episode. Right. Where he makes him the meal and Spike complains about it's how... bell it's...
1: peppers and beef with, yeah. with no beef.
0: Right. Spike complains how crappy it is.
1: It's one of my favorite lines in the show. He goes, hunger is the best spice. Yeah. Like, I still use that line today.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, it's, a, it's really something.
0: So you get this, this parallel between the beginning and the end. And, you know, the series... Very much leaves it in doubt whether or not Spike survives.
1: I mean, I don't. I think it was pretty clear to me that he doesn't. You know what I mean? I, like I don't, the I, way it was.
0: I don't think filmed. he. I don't think he does either. Again, the, you know, like you're right. The way it's filmed, having kind of dug around online about this, there's a fair amount of discussion about it. Oh, I'm sure there is. But the idea, but you know, given you know, presumably Spike is dead, it really is like a last meal before an execution. And it, it sure. even has some of that feel to it, where Spike is just at peace. Right. He is. He's accepted. He's accepted his fate, and that he and that he probably will not get out of it.
1: Well, and like everything from his past has basically been undone. Like we see Annie from the fifth episode dies. She reappears. You know, Julia's other people. Killed. Julia's killed. Shin and Lynn are both dead, and we we were led to believe that they were obviously younger than Spike. So he looked. He they looked up to him in some capacity. Yeah really it had this finality feel to it also the sequence where vicious and spike trade weapons they slide the weapons back and forth you know they they each their weapons get exchanged in a fight and they re-exchange them you know their weapons of choice to finish each other off is right out of i mean like directly out of uh, a better tomorrow one from john woo yeah and and that's the chow young fat character who gets killed in that someone just just based on what they're referencing i would ha- I would have just to say i don't i he doesn't survive, and I think in my world it makes more sense if he doesn't survive
0: no, and I was actually thinking you know as as much as I don't think they should ever add on to this let's just talk no. about, i am I would be curious to see more stories of Faye and jet trying to move forward right because I think assuming spike is dead leaves leave spike. And I think those two characters moving forward, dealing with the fact that Spike is gone and the, you know, the recent revelations in their own lives and how, how, how does it change and upend their
1: existence? Yeah, there's not much of a bookend for those two. Like, you, you know, the final, the final times we see both of those characters is Jet is just wiping down the ship in some nondescript location. Like, just all on the bridge, just wiping something down, and Faye's yeah. crying. So, like, you don't know how they, you know, move forward. Ed kind of has the, the only other bookend to her story is she goes to live with her dad.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that would just be, that would be interesting. I would not, in any way, shape, or form, want to change how the ending went, though. I think it no. was just so beautifully done, so cinematic.
1: So, even in the movie, like the Cowboy Bebop movie that came out well after this, it's put. It's apparently set in between episodes twenty three and twenty four. I thought it was twenty two right. and twenty three, uh, or it could be twenty two. Uh, well, either of those two.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it's set. Uh, it's actually set during the series.
1: Set during the series, so you have everyone in play. Uh, and it was actually the movie's pretty good. My, I remember when the movie came out, it was such a big deal for me. Like, and I, I convinced my dad to take me to New York to one of the Times Square theaters so we could see this movie. Back when $10 a movie ticket was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like those kind of prices. It was, he took, it was myself, my father, and then my buddy Dan, and went to a, took the train in, went to the movie, we, we ate something in Times Square, and then we came home. Nice. It was like the best day ever, right? We got to see, we got to see the Cowboy Bebop on the big screen and hear Steve Bloom's voice on that on those big surround sound speakers yeah which is really just kind of what you want
0: you know actually you know the other thing I, th- I thought of with with wrapping up the series and it's one i think one of the best parts of the entire series in general like overall is the fact that they canceled uh big shots
1: yeah that's that was so funny <laughs> yeah I mean, and then it, she sees him in the in the like <laughs> and like sees you him hear in the like airport. the voice is such a put on and Judy's like I'm gonna talk to my agent and then Faye sees Punch in the in the airport which yeah. I always
0: thought was a good touch which, who also has a put on voice yeah no but I mean I, just, it's great. that that show in general was just so funny
1: yeah and you you, you pick up on uh, obviously the, the little reference it's Punch and Judy. Like the puppet shows, the Ponch and Judy puppet shows—it stuff is all over that series, which I think just makes it more fun. I don't even know if it makes it a better series, but it certainly makes it more fun.
0: Well, it's 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 those kinds of references that are not in your face. Like if you had no idea about that reference, right? It wouldn't matter. It's still a really no. good part of the show. But if you know it, it's even better. And that's what yeah, like that's how references need to be.
1: Sure. Like a, another good example is like the the three hijackers they bust on the Venus episode. Uh, their names, if you look at their names, when he puts in to, to get his reward, they're Huey, Dewey and Louie. I did see that, you know, or even like more kind of like subtle references that, you know, can be disputed like, uh, Duhon apparently is a reference to the Star Trek, uh, actor James Duhan. Okay. And his assistant Miles is a reference to Miles Davis. Interesting. And like, so he's wearing blue. So like kind of blue was Miles Davis, big, big album. Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. It's subtle and you're like, okay, you could argue that, but it just feels like the way that show goes, you just feel like, okay, that was probably intentional.
0: Yeah. I mean like so much of pop culture, just the reference dropping is so obvious. It's kind of mildly offensive almost.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I think that but, was but, the, but the, but this is, but the this is the show, right?
0: Well, no, but what I'm saying is with this, it's, it's subtle and it, it adds to the character of the show.
1: Yeah. It gives it a nice texture,
0: especially, you know, the fact that they live in a near future time period. Mm-hmm. These kinds of references would still exist. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it helps, and it helps root the universe. They, they inhabit more, squ- more squarely
1: into our, our reality. Yeah. We have some kind of connection between them and us, right? You mm-hmm. know, even, like the Bruce Lee references in like the first or second episode, the Abdul-Hakim, it was like just this obvious homage to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's character in uh, Enter the Dragon. Right. You know, stuff like that. And the Bruce Lee stuff is all over the place. I think I think that stuff is just fantastic. I, like I said, it gives it a, a texture where, for whatever reason, it makes the show more tangible. It's something you can kind of grab onto.
0: Yeah. No, definitely.
1: I've yet to really come across someone who didn't enjoy uh, the show. Like, I've really, you have to like really nitpick it to kind of take it apart. Because otherwise, it's this big sci-fi western that I think any fan of anime or westerns or science fiction or really any pick your genre, you've got you've got your choice in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, our friend Kyle, uh, Steve Bloom, was at Tidewater Comic Con. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beginning of this year or so, and like this—this this was Kyle's highlight was him getting him to sign a bunch of Cowboy Bebop stuff.
1: Yeah, like although he, why he wore the shirt, <laughs> Still.
0: I don't know either. But like he wouldn't Steve shut Bloom, up about it for like two weeks.
1: I know. I mean, I wouldn't either. But Steve Bloom signs the kid's shirt, and then he starts wearing it, and he's like dripping food and sauce on it. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't just give me the shirt, you, <laughs> you fuckstick! Oh my god!
0: <laughs> it happens.
1: That was so funny. He wore it to Phoenix Con, right? That's where I yeah. said it had to be when he wore. It. I was like, "What? You, why would you do that?" Yep. Why would you do? that? I'm
0: more impressed with like where he got all the Cowboy Bebop merch. Yeah, he had like t- a he had like a shirt, a hat, like the Blu-ray. Like he got all he had all kinds of stuff signed.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't even have that much. Cowboy, I have like the the DVDs from like 2002, and that shit was expensive. I was back when there was still a, a Sam Goody. Do you remember those? Oh yeah. And, and Sam Goody was the only place that I could get anime, because it was kind of before Barnes and Noble or Best Buy really went all in on anime. It was Sam Goody is where you went, and like those discs were 35, 45 dollars each.
0: Yeah.
1: It was a it was a heavy duty investment. Like I had to like save up for them because I was a broke-ass college student, so I would, like, buy one, and then I had to wait two months to get the next one. Yep. It was, oh, I'm going to do an order and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know where... Even at conventions, I always keep an eye out for, like, action figures or little Cowboy Bebop statues, and I never see them. Like, i I very... I mean, almost never. I think I saw one at the Phoenix Convention this year, and that was the first time in years.
0: Yeah, although, interestingly enough, every so often you do see a cosplay...
1: Yeah, even Nor- those are fairly rare.
0: Normally, it's Faye. Yeah. In part, well, in part A, just because of the outfit, but also, you know, she's probably the most distinctive looking. But yeah, I mean, you, you'll, you'll still see him every so often.
1: There. Now that you bring this up, I got I gotta look this up because there was a fairly famous cosplay guy. And It was like Man Faye or something like that. Nice. I forgot who it was yeah man Faye. i think that's who yeah man Faye. he he had shown up to conventions and kind of become a minor internet celebrity nice as man fey because it was just kind of like you know oh good god (laughs) this is really something
0: (laughs) it's not something good but it's something
1: i don't know if it's yeah whether it's good or bad uh remains to be seen but it's definitely something but i'm actually looking at some of these girls who do the cosplay it's partially because like in the anime phase proportions are so ridiculous it's really hard to get it right it is and you, and you gotta love the way they the, the, the jiggle-mation they gave to that character
0: <laughs> especially in the opening
1: title yeah oh yeah those, those things have a mind of their own like, they'll bit <laughs> those things they'll bounce around' and it's like I don't even think she turned that direction they just decided to go left when, when she, like she's what how okay I'll go along with that. So I'm not sure. what more. We can we can sing the praises of this show. How much longer we can go on like this? Because I
0: yeah, no. I, I was I was gonna ask if you had anything else uh, that you wanted to say.
1: I don't think so. I I just I don't know if it still runs on Adult Swim, but I think any it, even if it doesn't, parts of it are on Hulu. Like I think a couple of the dubbed episodes, but it's also subtitled on Hulu. So if it's on Hulu now, I think. You know, do yourself a favor and, and and watch the show, especially if you're a non-anime fan. If it doesn't grab you in like the first five episodes, I'm not sure you're going to enjoy the show. But if I would at least give it those first five episodes, because it really is a a fantastic and enjoyable watch on almost you know every level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, don't
1: take it too seriously, because it's not. That's the one thing I think you have to remember is it's not a, a it's not that serious of a show. There's definitely some serious, tongue-in-cheek, you know, self-aware moments the show has that prevents it from slipping into the ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it's just certainly. I mean, anime in general. I feel like I feel that way, but yeah, you definitely have to take anime with a grain of salt. Well, I would just say in its in its own context.
1: Yeah, that's actually a better way of putting it. It's just in its own world, it makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, so. All right, so other than Cowboy Bebop, what have you been into this week?
1: Uh, reinstalling all my games on my computer. Or not really reinstalling them, but for whatever reason last night, uh, every single game would not start on Steam. So I have I have gone down the line of all 32 of them. Oof. And there's this thing, not reinstall them, but you can in Steam you can um what's called uh verify integrity of game cache. Yeah. And I just had to do that for each and every one of them, just because like none of them were playing. Like, didn't matter which game I was clicking on, none of them were playing. That's unfortunate. So I, it st- It was like torture. It started with a Total War, Shogun Total War, and then I was like, well, let me try another game. And then it was like, no, no. <laughs> I was like, what happened? I was like, I just, I just built this computer to play games. Don't you dare. That's when you give out on me, Steam.
0: You're on your knees and you're doing the fucking Charlton Heston from Planet of the Apes.
1: Oh yeah, it was like, God <laughs> damn you. Also finally finished Road to Wigan Pier. <laughs> finally. I just I am such a slow reader. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> but I finally friend. finished it. It's it's really good. It's that I it gives you a great insight into the guy's mind. You know, more so than some of the other books, like what he really thinks is a person. And some of them you're like, all right, I don't think he's right about that, but that's really interesting. And also man he can orwell can tear a dude up if he's if he's like insulting someone it's actually a joy to read how he'll call like certain writers like gutless versions of kipling or something like that nice it's like yeah damn that's mean i don't know who this writer is and apparently he does not like upton sinclair it was kind of funny to read him just shit on upton sinclair pretty hardcore Hmm. just like just shit on, like, his style of writing. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But that's that's really about it. It's been pretty low-key. Work kind of swamped me. And then, uh, still dealing with the, sh- you know, doing stuff with the show is always time-consuming. And, and then, we can, off-air, we could talk about my, my trials and tribulations and fun with the local San Diego Libertarian Party. That's always fun.
0: Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that.
1: It's always fun. <laughs> I'm just so tired of anarchists. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just tired of it I just don't no more no that's, that's going
0: to be the sound clip for the episode I'm just I'm so tired of it an- anarchists I'm just
1: done with anarchists, just man <laughs> so tired of
0: it uh, let's see so uh, yeah obviously aside from Cowboy Bebop which has been a uh, a big time thing because I've been trying to finish it mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go back and reread some old Avengers comics like not for my side project but just some other some other ones that's like you know I haven't read this in a while The the Hickman run Hmm. I wish I had time for games. Like I'm looking forward to Final Fantasy 15 coming out, but I really I haven't played games in forever.
1: Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm getting back into it now because I rebuilt this computer, so I feel obligated to play the games. Yeah. Like, um, I i was, like I gotta do it. Donnell's playing something called Sh- Life is Strange. Yeah. It's almost like playing. It's like playing a girl detective game. It's kind of interesting. Like yeah. I've, well, I'm like I'm not gonna play it, but she's having a lot of fun. Yeah. What was I think? She's like playing it's like i gotta
0: finish this game so i can bring it back and it's like okay nice and then uh I mean, work has also been taking up a fair amount of my time I've, oh yeah
1: you and me both then
0: well i am I'm, I'm actually i've gotta i have to do a, a biennial recall so mm-hmm. my test for that is in about a week and a half so it's like oh hey shit i should probably start studying
1: oh fun yeah that's always good
0: yeah it's like oops i forgot <laughs> forgot about that part the whole the whole test part yeah uh, and then I went to a Halloween party last night that up in uh, up in Williamsburg. It was a lot of fun. Was, um, Shane McNulty from uh, the Big Damn Shindig was one of the hosts, along with uh, his brother and our friend Lori, and we had just a fantastic time. So, Great. All right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head on over to Therefore Geek dot com. You can check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Duder. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.